Welcome to Women Express. We're back again. Boy, has our world become a roller coaster. I think it's a roller coaster in many ways in function as we all have gone home to work from home and all the different things we are balancing from the home life. And then emotional roller coaster, just not knowing where we're going to go, how this whole pandemic is going to end. When will it end? Will it ever end? It's just, I know for everybody, a roller coaster. So here's my recommendation around that. Women Express is all about building you up, giving you a platform for a voice. I try to bring the best voices that I know to the table here to, to share their ideas and thoughts with you. What I'm going to suggest is, is during this time of being on a roller coaster, ride it. Ride the roller coaster. Yesterday, I ran into my own wall. I watched my son run into it as he transitioned from college campus to home to online and how uncomfortable it felt for him to be online and how unprepared he felt his professors were and how could they be when they had two weeks to get ready. And then the next thing was my daughter hit a wall. My daughter actually works with me and has a podcast as well. And she just hit a wall because she just is in a one-bedroom apartment going crazy. And then yesterday, I hit my own emotional roller coaster. I've been really, really good about it all. I've, I've been very blessed with keeping busy with clients and been very busy with it all. But yesterday, it just felt like, I just don't know how much longer I can do this. And of course, we can. And of course, we will. And we are resilient. And that's what our last episode was all about, was resilience. So this episode, I want to give us another opportunity to take a look at, and I know it may feel like it's one more thing on your plate of being at home in between dishes and cooking lunch and dinner and homework. But I think it's a time to really pull back for a minute, find a place to pull back to within yourself, and take a look at what creativity could bring to the table. Is this a time for creativity? Is this a time to pay attention to your intuition? Is this a time to re-engage or reimagine who you are? I think it is. I think it's an opportunity. Yes, there's some struggle going through this, and yes, there's some challenges. But in every challenge, there is an opportunity. And my guest speaker today, it's funny because we hadn't talked for a year, maybe, or more. And when we first met, there was an immediate bond, and you'll see why in just a minute. But when I heard from her, I sent her my podcast, and then I heard from her, I felt, oh my goodness, Natalie is the perfect next guest, because her whole life is about helping leaders understand what creativity means to strategy, to disruption, and oh, are we in disruption right now, to growth to even a pause in life. So I'm so excited about introducing you to, and I could say my friend, we haven't had our date yet. I don't know when that's going to happen. Whenever she's in Philadelphia, I'm in Washington, D.C. area, but it's going to happen. Uh, we met in France, as a matter of fact, when she was a guest speaker at a conference that I was attending. And it's just been, yes, we're, it, we're friends. And that's just how it goes. I'm going to read Natalie's bio, and then that way we can start the interview from there. 
She's an author. Yay. That's a great thing. Global speaker. Clearly, that's I met her in France and a consultant. She's a global consultant as well, just like me. Her name is Natalie Nixon, and she's a creativity strategist. And she integrates, I love this, wonder with rigor. Who would think that those two words would go together? She feels that those two things are very important to life and to work. She's converted a 16-year career as a professor into a successful consulting practice. And she's president of Figure 8 Thinking. She advises companies on the future of work, achieving transformative business results, and becoming more dynamic leaders, becoming more dynamic versions of themselves. That's why she's here today. Her clients are Comcast, Bloomberg's, Living Cities, and I'm not sure who Vayner Media is, but you can tell us about that. She has a background in anthropology, in design. She's lived in Brazil, Israel, Germany, Sri Lanka, and Portugal, my kind of person who has lived outside of the United States border. So I'm just going to say enough of that. Let's just get you to talking because I'm so excited about having you here today, Natalie. It's really a pleasure, and I'm so happy that we have reconnected. Thank you, Denise. I loved your introduction. I'm so appreciative of the way you wove together bits of my story. So thank you for having me. I do consider you a friend, and I also can't wait till we have our in-person date somewhere in between Philly and Maryland. Somewhere in there. We talked a little bit about there's a woman owned, a Black woman who owns this spa and estate, which is a hotel estate in Virginia. And we thought about going there and just going spend a day in the spa. Doesn't that just sound wonderful right about now? Yeah, to be at Salamander and, ha- and be treated to a massage. That, that does feel really far off right now, but let's hold on to that as our lighthouse. Yeah, we're, I think many of us are putting those kind of pictures in into our awareness, but also stashing them into our, okay, once this is done list. And mm-hmm. that definitely would be on mine. Well, I want to ask you a couple of things. I'm very interested to understand what your brand of creativity, what is your thought around creativity? What does creativity mean to you? So you did already reference it. I have a a new book that's coming out on June 23rd called The Creativity Leap, Mm -hmm. Unleash Curiosity, Improvisation, and Intuition at Work. And that book is really a culmination of about five years of work and research and thinking about what I've been calling the innovation churn. And I would have this sinking feeling when I would work with clients who wanted, who wanted to build cultures of innovation, innovation center. I just have this sinking feeling that we were all kind of talking around and over each other when we were talking about innovation and we were missing each other. And what I came to realize is that the missing link is we're, we're starting at the wrong place. We actually have to start at creativity. And then I realized, well, I need to define creativity in an accessible way that kind of democratizes it. So I define creativity as our ability to toggle between wonder and rigor to solve problems and produce novel value. And the reason why it's really important for me to, as I say, democratize creativity is because I've observed that we have ghettoized creativity and the arts among artists. Oh, which uh, isn't fair to artists and it's not beneficial to our society at large. So like how often have you heard people mutter under their breath, 
oh, I'm not a creative type because I can't paint or dance or sing, you know, fill in the blank, right? Right. And that's problematic because part of being human is to be hardwired to be creative. So my overall mission in my work is to change lives through ideas. And more specifically, I want to help people to stop showing up to work in drag, to really be able to, <laughs> you know, to, to really be able to fully to engage in creativity unapologetically and not think that it's only manifested if you are able to draw or dance well or sing. Well, that brings a different perspective to the workplace and certainly even brings a different perspective to those of us now that we're working at home because that creativity still has to flourish. But I think what you're saying more than anything, let's put flourish over here, just accepting the fact that you're creative by nature is a concept that's very different for a lot of us, wouldn't you say? Yes. And, you know, I come from academia. I have over 20 years experience in the field of education. I, there was a chapter in my, in my life where I was a middle school and high school English teacher. Oh my goodness. And then as you referenced, I was a professor for 16 years. I jokingly say that uh, if you can teach middle school, you can do anything in this world. Because <laughs> <laughs> middle schoolers get, get smell blood a mile away. <laughs> but anyway, that aside, what I experience in my own educational journey, as well as being part of the educational system, is that we've really drummed out creativity, right? We really teach for, and not every place, but in too many contexts of education, it's become much more about rewarding people for a solutions focus versus rewarding people for falling in love with the process, And the reason why we tend to ghettoize creativity in the arts is because artists are excellent at falling in love with process. Mm. They are not afraid to sit with the discomfort of ambiguity that all process is. But whether you are an accountant, a lawyer, a plumber, a dancer, a designer, you must apply creativity to your work. So part of what's happened is that we've just kind of replicated in the workplace what we've become accustomed to rewarding in the educational sector. Hmm. That's an important piece and a good reflection around that. So going into the workplace, we really have left creativity off the table is what you're trying to say. So here we are now, I mean, during the time of turbulence, and a time of uncertainty, I'm sure people are thinking, that sounds good for when we're going back to work. But now what? I'm at home. I'm pretty much my, I'm the person, the groundskeepers. I'm the <laughs> I'm the cafeteria worker. I'm the, then I run mm-hmm. to my desk and then I mo- mind the children. Where is there going to be space for me to be creative? And how do we take that creativity forward? So, I have been writing and posting and speaking a lot, even during this time of COVID-19, about the fact that days of uncertainty are designed for creativity. That's actually when creativity flourishes and when we can really dig in. So while it's counterintuitive, right, during this time of distress, uncertainty, a lot of ambiguity, the temptation is to dig in and be super practical. Now, even as I say that, I'm realizing in that statement is this assumption that creativity is not practical, 
right? Creativity is for the birds. Creativity is a luxury. Creativity is something that you can delve into when there's more time. But, but newsflash, creativity loves constraints. Creativity loves constraints of time. Creativity huh. loves constraints of financial resources. Creativity loves constraints of people talent. You know, I'll share a bit of my own personal background. I grew up in Philly. My parents owned a duplex. So there was a first floor two-bedroom apartment and a second floor two-bedroom apartment. And they, for most of our childhood, rented out the first floor apartment. So mm-hmm. I shared a room with my sister for 18 years. <laughs> I didn't have my own room until I was a sophomore in college. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And here's the thing that I learned from my mom. My mom was genius at being creative with limited constraints in terms of space, right? Uh, yes, and, I understand. And so yeah. one of the things that having to have the constraint of sharing a bathroom, sharing a room with my sister is that it taught me negotiation skills. It taught me compromise. It taught me to collaborate. It taught me to negotiate. It taught me how to do more with less to be incredibly resourceful. And that is an example of creativity. So in our parenting, we're always figuring out ways to be creative. I think one thing I really want to just stress is people take nothing else away in addition to the wonder rigor concept was embedded in that is that creativity is not pulling out something randomly from your armpit, right? (laughs) Creativity is not doing whatever you feel like. If you study amazing scientists, artists, entrepreneurs, there's an incredible amount of rigor of time on task. Yes. Incessant practice. Yes. It's often very solitary. It's not sexy. It's not immediately rewarding, but it is this repetitive heuristic and process that actually, when you know what the boundaries are, you can, you know, expand and rebound off of them. And so there's two corollaries that I often say, which the first is that in my corporate client consulting work, I saw all of this emphasis and need and drive to innovate where there was so much investment in what people were thinking of as rigor. And rigor in corporations shows up as lots of meetings, procedure, the rule book. And I would argue whether or not that's actually rigor or if that's a bit of churn, but that's kind of the focus, right? No time or investment for wonder, for designing space and time for wonder. So the, co- the two corollaries of creativity are that rigor, all that rigor cannot be sustained without wonder. It's oh. impossible. You will burn out. Wow. Maybe people are at that space right now. I mean, I hear a lot of my friends and people, colleagues and people I consult with saying in many ways, they were already at the place of being burnt out and this kind of helped. It created its own yeah. crisis, of course, but in many ways, it's like, oh my God, I really don't have anything to do with today. So maybe I should go plant a, a plot of flowers. I mean, yes. talk to me about that. I love this concept. So you're segueing nicely into the other chorus. The first is rigor cannot be sustained without wonder. Mm-hmm. And the second is that wonder is found in the midst of rigor. Mm-hmm. If rigor for you is doing your taxes, which it is for me, or completing an Excel spreadsheet or <laughs> are cleaning out the woodwork in crevices or weeding, right? It's in those moments where we get those amazing aha moments. Mm-hmm. So One of the things that I'm helping to orient a lot of my clients around is something I call the value of the pause. 
pausing is one of the attributes of wonder. So I, I think I already delineated rigor, right? Rigor is time on task, it's practice, it's discipline, it's not very sexy and fun all the time. Wonder is awe, it's audacity, it's asking mm. crazy blue sky questions, it's pausing. What's happening now worldwide because of the COVID-19 pandemic is this pause. Mm. So we have actually the context around us for the wonder piece. The challenge is that people are tripping. People are freaking out because they're not used to it. They're <laughs> not used, used to it. Just used to this constant churn. And so one thing that has to happen is we have to design new rituals. Mm. We have to reestablish our relationship with time. I mean, my husband and I were talking about probably two weeks into this, jeepers, this is feeling like Groundhog Day, right? Right? It's we say because, that every day. What day yeah. is it? It's Groundhog's Day. <laughs> what, what day is it? Because our days, our time is marked through people. It's marked through geography, through mm-hmm. space. And when that gets confined, we have to create new rituals. So that's one of the opportunities that people can do on a, on a personal level, but also organizations can do. So it's an important thing. I know for a fact, the moment that you brought up the word wonder, how often do we use that word in our day-to-day? We don't even use it in our day-to-day anymore. I mean, just wonder. If everyone listening to us right now could just take that piece and start to really look for wonder in their lives. I love the concept of pause, but tell me a little bit more about those two together. What would be a good example? Wonder and how pause is the platform for that. Oh, sure. So for example, I'll give an example from an observation I made a week ago of a child. And then I'll, I'll give an example of something I do. So I, well, actually, maybe I should give the first example because it relates to the child. So I actually, I have had a home office now for it'll be three years this June. And one of the things that you have to get good at when you work from home is scheduling breaks, is new types of ritual. Since the time I was a little girl, from first grade, second grade, when I would get report cards sent home, the report card would say something like, Natalie's doing very well in second grade, except that she tends to daydream a bit too much out the window. And that has just been me, still is me. So I am a mighty daydreamer. I can't turn it off. It's actually where a lot of things end up marinating for me. So one of the things I actually do, I set every day a five-minute timer. It's really easy because we have these tracking devices, these smartphones. Yeah, we do. five minutes to daydream out the window, to just look at the sky. I'm from Philly. We're a big front step stoop culture. So I'll sit outside on the steps and I'll just kind of really examine blades of grass or the trees in front of me or people Mm -hmm. walking down the street. So that's an example of a pause within this greater pause. But but notice the rigor piece. Notice the structure around it. Notice the time limits built into it and the intentionality of it. Mm -hmm. So the second example, so on one of my time daydream moments, I'm just uh, staring out into space and I noticed that a father and his child, they were riding bicycles and they pause at, at our neighbor's just next door to have this beautiful dogwood tree. And it was the time of spring where the dogwood trees uh, petals were all over the lawn. Yeah. And this father had stopped because his daughter, who's probably about seven, maybe she was six, 
couldn't tell from where I was, she was literally going around the grass and she was picking up the petals and she was looking at them. She was stuffing them into her pocket oh. to her father and she'd show him this petal versus the other petal. Oh. And I was so appreciative of having observed that moment in that little girl's life because all of us were like that at a certain point and we have started to discount it. But here's the thing, Einstein was a mighty daydreamer. Einstein would make sure that he would go off and have long walks. He played the violin. He played the piano. He engaged in moments that would help him to not be in that deep focused state. The importance of bringing back the wonder is something I cannot underestimate. Designers are really good at this. We live in Philly, but we are across the street from the woods. And one of the things I'm really proud of about Philadelphia is that it has 10x the amount of green space as Central Park. So whether you live in the hood or you live in a really tony neighborhood, you have access to creeks and trails. Yeah, that's and, true for me too. It's for yeah. I live in I'm I live in what's called Tilden Woods. So there's oh, lots nice. of trees and creeks and and DC is very similar to that where it has lots yes, lots exactly. and lots of wooded space. Well, one day I was taking a walk and and I happened to just notice that there's this tree they had the craziest, the branches were going laterally, they were going diagonally, they were going straight up. One was, one had a branch that was going straight up and then another branch going straight down. And I thought, man, that's a really interesting metaphor for life right now, right? All the directions. Mm-hmm. Go. A furniture designer might look at that and get total inspiration for a furniture design. So we do have examples of professions which allow themselves as part of the practice to engage in wonder and help it inform their work. And, and in my view, we just have to give ourselves that permission with intentionality to do that. Well, here's something that I, there's so many concepts that I'm loving. I'm just loving this interview. One of the big concepts that I like this whole thing about the mighty daydreamer, but I also see that you tie a lot of this into intuition. I do workshops, Women Express workshops, and we'll be doing more and more of them online. The one thing that I try to inspire in the women that work with me, either in my consulting or through the workshops, is that we come into the world as women, and I know this is a generalization, but we tend to come into the world with a healthy portion of intuition. And I love this concept of taking wonder, daydreamer, creativity, intuition, the pause within the pause. As I'm painting this, these words, I'm trying to share with everybody that what we have here is the formula for reimagining who you are. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Right? Yes. And I will share that a lot of my embrace of my own creativity and my work around bringing structure and access to how people can engage in their own creativity and their in their work came from a moment in my career where I realized I needed to make a shift. And it was the shift I made out of academia, which, you know, being a professor had become part of my identity. There was prestige connected to it. I invested so much emotional and sweat equity into building a really unique executive MBA program. And, but I was getting to a point of burnout and I was getting to a point where it was no longer inspired work for me. It was, it was becoming a bit rote. And I'm a person who had, I've never had a five-year plan. Literally, <laughs> every career shift I've made has been 
a gut intuitive nudge. Me too. Which we all have these gut intuitive nudges. The difference is that I really work to pay attention to it. Yeah. Which is easier said than done. Paying it to acting on your intuition sometimes can be really seamless. And other times when it's that nagging nudge, it's really hard work because you have to hone in away from all the external pressures and messaging about what should versus what should for others versus what should be the path for you. So I make this shift out of academia. I build out my figure eight thinking business and I start getting a lot of requests from people after they realized this was not just a fluke. I actually was making a really great living doing this work. They would ask me, how did you do that? What was the process used? And I realized in sharing with them that I actually do have a process. I have this heuristic. So you're right. This is about reimagining yourself, reimagining mm-hmm. yourself in the world. How often do we get these opportunities? We don't. To redefine. And yes, it's scary. But here, here's another ism that I, things I like to say and advice I like to give, which is that when you are at a fork in the road, are you on the, are on the verge of doing something? You feel that you are on the verge of doing something. If you are feeling 50% terrified and 50% exhilarated, you are doing the right thing. And here's why. The terror keeps you on point, right? (laughs) The terror makes sure that you dot all your I's, you cross all your T's. The exhilaration keeps you optimistic. It keeps you hopeful. It keeps you buoyant. If you're too terrified, it's probably not, it's not right yet. It's not ready yet. If you're too exhilarated, you're not really honing in on the tactical elements. So really optimizing on that terror and that exhilaration, which like I'm speaking from what I know uh, yeah, is really yeah. important. You're speaking to a lot of people. I know that we're all sitting out there like biting nails and wondering what, and it's just nice to know that in between all of that, and I'm sure that there is hope. I mean, I'm sure that people are finding somewhere down within themselves a level of hope. And I love the word buoyant because hope does give you that buoyancy so that you're not pulled down by the task or the undaunting uncertainty about what we're going through. That's why I love the pause within the pause because we have these moments in our lives sometimes day to day, certainly annually. If you if you don't go through this kind of introspective look at yourself at least once every several years, then something's wrong. Yeah. You know, don't you think? I mean, I think right now we are fortunate. It's a forced pause, but we've got to look around in this event and go, wow, when would be the last time? How many times have you said to yourself, couldn't I just work from home today? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Or I wish I could just take a walk in the middle of the afternoon and here's the thing. I, I've been reading really great thought leadership by, from people like Nir Iyal, who is an Israeli thought leader, global speaker on topics around efficiency and intuition and ha- how we form habits. I'm in the middle. I'm almost finished reading this great book called Essentialism by Greg <laughs> McKeon. I hope I'm pronouncing his, his name correctly. I'm loving that book. Um, I love the work of Charles Duhigg, who's written a lot about habits. And you know, this is about forming new habits. And all of these folks who I've just mentioned, they've referenced the scientific research around 
the need to use our brain synapses very differently. And now is the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. This is really, really good stuff. I'm just, I'm having some brainstorming moments within myself right now. <laughs> good. <laughs> because I haven't had an opportunity to speak to anyone about these certainly the pause within the pause. And I mean, I teach communication skills and two of the biggest skills that you want to really accomplish when you're learning to be a good presenter. First is eye communication and connection in that way. But the second thing is pause. Because when you pause, it allows the mouth and the mind to catch up with each other. But it also allows the mind, it gives the mind a break. Right, right. And I tell clients all the time, when you pause, you can find things within that pause that you weren't going to say, but in the moment, they're the best thing to say. And if you're rambling on and trying to say it exactly the way you wrote it down, you'll never get to that more innovative, more spontaneous conversation that you could have with your listeners just by taking a pause and assessing, letting your brain assess where to go. And think about the link between pausing and ambiguity. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why we don't embrace pausing is in our society, we have erred on the side of certainty, right? Mm. We must prove that we know what we're talking about. And there's this fear that if we pause, there's the perception that maybe we don't quite know. And so what, right? Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. And so being more confident and comfortable with pausing is actually very much linked to embracing ambiguity, Mm -hmm. embracing that, hmm, my mind is actually going another direction, which, oh, this is interesting. Let me me also interweave this this in. So it's a really great point about becoming comfortable pausing. It's totally linked to becoming more adept at having comfort with ambiguity. Mm-hmm. I love that. I just love that. I just love that. If we could say five key things, five key things that the women that are listening, and, and there are a lot of people who listen now, it's not just a female audience, it's a large portion is female. But if there were five key things right now, while you're sitting at home, maybe you're on your lunch break, that they could write down and start doing, even five key words for them to explore about their lives and who they are and what they're doing, what would those words be? I'm going to say right away, pause. Absolutely pausing. I would add in three words that are part of what I call the three I framework. The three I's are the ways we can exercise creativity. So those are inquiry or curiosity. So really asking how curious am I really throughout the day? How often do I ask questions versus feeling like I have to be certain. So curiosity is another word. A third word I would add is improvising. Improvising terrorizes most people because they think of Saturday Night Live and I have to be really good at, you know, thinking <laughs> my feet. But, you know, actually we're all pretty good improvisers. None of us gets to work from a script every day. None of us do. It's true. And certainly not now. Not now. I've seen, I'm just amazed. I have one client and they're in the technology industry And you would think that everything for them is like straight down the line, but the core of their business is about creativity and helping their clients reimagine. And it's interesting to see how adept they've become during this crisis in their business model. 
Mm-hmm. Amazing. And I'm watching the swath of people that work there making the transition. I mean, it's not devoid of people having things that are coming up and family members that may be sick or people that they know. But in terms of their day to day, I'm watching them just spin on a dime, make that pivot mm-hmm. and yes. more improv- they improvise. I mean, they're up online and now let's do this online and let's do that online. <laughs> it's right. Right. Improvisation and improvisational stance means you're hyper, hyper present. One of the principles of improvisation is yes. And it's always about the build. Jazz musicians are very comfortable with this idea. There's such a thing as a mistake. It's only building on the offer that the last Mm -hmm. musician gave you as you begin to solo or as you support them in their solo. So that means that you can't play what you were going to play you can't respond in the way you were going to respond. You can't give the conference the way you thought you were going to give it. You have to pivot. You have to adapt. Constraints allow you to rebound and stretch in new ways. So being more improvisational, being hyper-present, really actively listening. Like do an experiment and for an afternoon, try not to answer with no or yes, but, or no, because we've already tried that, but try to answer every offer with yes. And then that means we could do blah, 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 right? That's an example of being and practicing more improvisation. So we mentioned pausing, curiosity, improvising, intuition. You've already been referencing intuition and intuition. The way I define intuition is that it's a type of pattern recognition. Uh, when we have that nudge that I've seen this before, I've been here before, I mm-hmm. felt I should go down this street and not down that road. I should date this person, not the other person. I should cook spinach and not prepare a fresh salad, whatever it is. I don't know. But, you know, these nudges are actually part of the way we were hardwired. So we have in our in our bodies something called the vagus nerve, which is spelled V-A-G-U-S, not like Las Vegas. And the vagus nerve is the only nerve in our body that goes from our cranium down through our heart into our gut. Wow. We're literally wired to have a connection between the mind, the heart, and the gut. Oh my goodness. Yes. That's not something that is um, you're making up. It's just you, something to gloss over. Our bodies are literally designed to connect the mind, the heart and the gut. So that's why we sometimes think better on our feet, right? It's why we are thinking from our heart. You know, we have these expressions that we say, and there's a reason for that. Wow. That's what's V-E-G-U-S? No, V-A-G-U-S, the vagus nerve. Wow. The vagus nerve. That is intriguing. Boy, I told you all out there we were going to have a great morning. There's a lot that has piqued my interest. Well, speaking of intuition and improvisation and in-the-moment conversations, you and I were talking the other day. My next steps for Women Express is to, well, now host where we do host, I host speaking events with some of the women that have been interviewed on Women Express. And the good news about that is when you and I talked about it, you said, I'd like to do that. I'd like to be one. So I absolutely am now inspired to get this piece done, offer the webinar. It's going to be All right. a series. It'll be 
a big event where we have two or three women who come on in addition to me. I'll be the MC and get this out there because this is stuff that we all of us could really learn from. Yes. Great stuff. This last piece, the Vegas piece. I'm so, I can't tell you how excited I am about that. (laughs) Plus everybody's walking away with five key words that they could think about and start incorporating or at least finding again in their lives. Well, I think we said four, we said pause, curiosity, improvise. I'm going to add two more, which are globally obvious to you. Wonder and wonder and rigor. Yay. Definitely. Wonder and rigor. And I just, We've got some really good call to action things to do in this one. I think this is going to be a great piece. So my call to action for everyone out there is to take what you've learned today, what pieces of it in those moments that we're in the big pause. I love that. Our individual pause in the big pause and take a moment to pull out these five. And as an example, let's take the little girl as an example. Yeah picking up those magnolia pellets or what are they there? Uh, petals, the, the petals. petals. Yes. Yes. Picking up those petals off of the, the ground and examining them. I challenge every woman out there to pick up the petals. They're petals that you can pick up about you and start to examine. What is your next step? Don't ask, what is it going to look like? What's normal going to look like? Create normal. Right. Create your next normal. Create it for yourself. And maybe part of creating that next normal is maybe I don't want to live in normal anymore. Right. Maybe I want to live in this more intuitive, more improvisational, more in knowing what Natalie has said to us today, that you can live in that space knowing that rigor is underneath it. Underneath what is rigor? And you don't have to be afraid to be more of your expressive, creative, intuitive, wonderful self. Thanks, Natalie. May I just give the listeners an invitation? Please do. I invite all the listeners to visit figure8thinking.com. That's F-I-G-U-R-E, the number eight thinking. And download a free sample chapter of the Creativity Loop. Check it out. See if it speaks to you. And if it does, do buy a copy of the book and please email me. I would love to hear from you. I would love to see what you take from it. I'm sure that Denise will share my email, but I'll say it again. It's natalie at figure8thinking.com. And thank you, Denise. This was awesome. It is awesome to have you. And we're going to do that summit. I'm excited about it. And certainly one of the first presenters will be you. I am thrilled. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. So that's our moment in time. That was our pause within the pause within the pause. Again, I'm going to challenge each of you to take these pearls of wisdom today and let's start really creating women who've got the power because you do. Let's start taking this, this wonder of who we are and giving ourselves more completely to ourselves first and then to the world. So come on, women. Let's express. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone, evening, if it's evening, and we'll look forward to our next steps together. Thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you. In closing out, one thing that I want to share with you is that we will be doing these summits. What we would like to hear from you is please visit us at www.womenexpress.com. Leave your 
name and email address so that we can get back to you with registration forms and ideas on when the summits will begin. They will be done online, more than likely on Zoom. And I'd love, love, love to hear from you if you're interested. We also are going to be working in women's circles. And these circles are going to be opportunities for you all to do a month to month at the end of each month, kind of check in with a circle of women and being a part of a membership going forward. So these are some of the things that we're doing and that we're going to be launching really soon. The way that we get it off the ground is by you sending us an email at www.womenexpress.com. Not an email. Visit the website, then send us your email from that website. So that's it. That's all. Have a wonderful, wonderful life. I'm feeling inspired. I'm so happy to have had Natalie here with me, and I look forward to next steps with her. Certainly visit her on her website, which she has given you, and I'll say it again. It's figure eight, and that's the number eight thinking.com. I visited it and had a great time and got totally inspired just by going through her website. So all life is good today. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again really, really soon. Take care of yourself, stay healthy, and certainly keep expressing. We had a great time today. What I'd like to ask you to do is to rate us, give us good ones, review, and subscribe. And if you loved the time you spent with us and loved our speakers, our interviewees, then share this with your friends. Let's collectively women express. Thank you for being with me. Bye for now.